This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, good morning. Could we get a big, great big good morning out there? It is wonderful to have you folks here today. I, I hopefully enjoyed the weekend. Uh, hopefully you had a great weekend. And today we're going to try to leave you a little inspired, talking about what is it like, this, this art of letting go? Like, how is it that we really learn to let go? Let go and let God and, and do it in a way that's not like a Hallmark card. <laughs> do it in a way where we can actually do it. Like, like what does God have to say about this and, and how can we actually make it work? So we're going to start today's service with taking a look at this particular passage. And this is Christ. He's talking, he had, he had 12 disciples who followed him. If you're not familiar with that, he had 12 sort of uh, homeboys, 12 people who followed him very, very closely, as well as other people. And this is him speaking to those 12. And he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, say the M word there, both God and mammon. Both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Passage goes on to say, therefore I tell you, and this is beautiful, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? A very famous line, a very uh, very poignant line. And it's interesting, right? Because it's, it's kind of setting up an interesting dichotomy. Now, now, Christ, when he talks, very rarely sets up dichotomies. Very rarely says, all good or all bad. Because, could I please get a yes on this? Is life mixed most of the time? Yes, life is mixed most of the time. And, and that's, I think, one of the real powers of the Bible is, is you see Christ, the people he hung out with, the things that he did, it's, it's very aware of that life is often mixed. And this is one of the few times where he says, it's either this or this. It's either God, can we all say mammon really loud? It's either God or mammon. It's either this or this. You can't really serve both. So that, that obviously begs the question, what is mammon? Okay, if God's really emphatic, like, it's this or this, and it's similar, by the way, folks, to the very first commandment out of the Ten Commandments, you're familiar with those, you have no other gods before my face. It's a little similar. I keep saying, like, look, don't bring this God in there. Mammon, you can look at like this. It goes back to an ancient word that meant the devil of covetous desire. Does that sound Shakespearean or what? The devil of covetous desire. And and you think about that. That's a part that wells up in us that's constantly coveting, constantly wanting what others have, that never can rest. Covetous desire, can it let go, yes or no? No, it can't. It's always on the prowl. So here's God saying like, oh, you you got to choose this. And then in a fascinating way, in the very next line, he says, the way to do it is don't worry. Interesting. Not go to battle with the devil. Just stop worrying. A sacred, beautiful, wonderful no there. And I think with with the idea of mammon, 
I want to talk about that for a minute. And I want to go over here to talk about it. And we're going to put some stuff up here on the board. I think, you know, in life, what we do is we kind of like set up our lives. And if you picture it like a big kitchen table, right? And you have all the pictures and you have all the trophies and you have all the badges of honor and you have all the pictures. And in this day and age, we used to have the camera and the phone. Now we have the, you have the iPhone and, and it kind of combines camera and phone. So, so we create that same kind of thing on a virtual kitchen table in a virtual trophy case that shows all these different things that we are. And today what I wanted to do was it was I wanted to actually dig up uh, my old trophies and I couldn't find them. And I'm like, oh, that means I've matured a little bit. Or my wife threw them out, one of the two. Because I can remember, like I had a big, if you walked into my bedroom when I was a teenager, I had a big case there and it had trophies and medals and this and that and the other thing, you know? Because that's how I identified myself. And if you had said like, Chuck, you know what? I'd love to get to know you. And I would tell you, you got to see my trophy case. And I think we all can do that, right? We kind of put those things out there. And that can become mammon. I still struggle with that at age 52. Where I'm really get identified with those things out there. Even when I struggle, when I, you know, it was sort of, was, you know, we have up weeks, we have down weeks. This was sort of a, a harder week for me personally. And, and even there, I, I can just so identify with this relationship or that thing or, or this over here that my whole being is connected in with that. And I think here's God saying, well, you can serve those things or not. And the or not is not a scolding or not. It's a freeing or not. It adds incredible freedom into our lives. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there last night, you know, and, and just again, it just was sort of was a, was a challenging week and all these challenges going through my head and this, that, and the other thing and worries and concerns and all this stuff. And for those of you who aren't aware, I grew up in a very rural area where Friday night, either you went to the high school football game or you went to a dirt track racing. So I went to watch dirt track racing with my daughter. For all the daughters out there, take your dad to the dirt track. He'll love it. So, so I go to the dirt track, we're eating really bad food and, and really good bad food. And, I, and I'm looking at my daughter and I just like, you know, she's so sweet and she's starting high school today. And I'm just like, oh. There's the gratitude. There's the peace that's unplugged. There's the thing that's beyond the trophies. We're just there together, watching dirt track racing, of all things. I think that's what this passage is calling about. Now, Thomas Merton, who was a famous, famous, famous monk down in Kentucky, wrote many, many wonderful books. Highly recommend you read some of his stuff. And Merton talked about this, and he talked about, yeah, you know, and he put it in very strong language about what mammon is. So let's take a look at that. This is the way, the way I think Thomas Merton would see mammon. All sin starts from the assumption that my false self, the self that exists only in my egocentric desires, 
is the fundamental reality of life to which everything else in the universe is ordered. In other words, all those things on the table, that's really me. And I am overly attached to all those things. I make them the fundamental reality of my life. Next slide. So I use up my life and the desire for pleasures and the thirst for experiences, for power, honor, knowledges, and love to close this false self and construct its nothingness into something objectively real. So I set up all these things that have brought me pleasure. And so what I want to do is in an addictive way, I want to keep doing those things more and more and more and more and more. If I had a great summer vacation, over the top good, that means next summer must, must be, please fill in the blank, next summer must be better. Can you say crazy? <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Because the summer after that, and the summer, like it, it, it just where it can, it can avalanche very quickly. And I wind experiences around myself and cover myself with pleasure and glory like bandages or badges. That first song, Putting on the Dog, where we can, we can go too far with that, really trying to wrap our lives in these things. We can wrap our lives in all these things in order to make myself perceptible to myself and to the world. In other words, I'm an invisible man or an invisible woman without all these things. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. As if I were an invisible body that could only become visible when covered, only become visible when something visible covered its surface. That's indeed powerful stuff. And, and the way life goes, and, and kids, my apologies here, you get to zone out for two minutes and you get to poke your parents and say, pay close attention to this. What happens is that eventually over life, Either I get all those things and I'm like, that didn't do it, or I lose all those things. I, I see that over and over again. We hit this stumbling stone at some point in time in our life where either we've arranged it all, it's like, oh, that's just not doing it anymore, or we lose those things. All those things that we've wrapped around our lives to make ourselves visible to other people. That can feel like this. Could we say this phrase together? The dark night of the soul. Could we say that together? The dark night of the soul. Famous spiritual concept that I, that I want to do a whole series on, but I'm not going to do it today. What happens is that I can easily infill that with, with a certain view of God. I can believe that God is in those things. I can believe God is in those things. I was listening to a pastor yesterday and just was feeling a little uncomfortable with it because this pastor, he's, he's being interviewed and, and I, I want to honor that I, I can do this too. Um, so I don't want to single somebody out, but it's just, it's, it's sort of a, um, a cautionary tale. You know, this pastor's like, oh, you know, I, I prayed for God that I could just be humble and he gave me 50,000 people at my church. <laughs> like, oh, be be careful, be careful. There's lots of pastors out there who are giving their hearts and souls and they're preaching to five people this morning. Five people. Same with our lives. Like what's gonna happen is, is eventually, I, I think it's inevitable, that stuff goes. 
Either we stop caring about it, feeling like it just wasn't doing it, or it literally gets taken. And then we arrive at the dark night of the soul. That dark night of the soul is where all this cherished stuff kind of leaves, and I find myself standing in a different place, and I'm looking at all those things that define my life, and I feel buck naked. What am I now without all that? Does that resonate with some of us in here? You know, what am I if I'm not that? And I think that's where God smiles and starts to give us answers. Talks about birds, says, look what I've done with these. These these tiny little creatures, you are worth infinitely more than any one of those. Very different, very powerful. What we have to do, folks, to start moving from there over to here is this starts to happen. We start to shift in our lives and we start to get a heavenly peace. But look at this, heavenly peace, peace, shalom, enters our souls when the desires that spring from selfishness and materialism are removed. So as that stuff goes, all about me and all about my stuff, As that stuff goes, and it oftentimes goes through this process known as the dark night of the soul. Slowly over time, I'm coming more and more into a much better view of God, a much more rich view of God. And what starts to happen is this. I take a picture of this next one, by the way. An awakening, not an accomplishing. See, that's the accomplishing thing. I start to wake up to this. Start to wake up to what's already there. Start to wake up to who's already in my life. Start to wake up to the angels that God has put in my heart, the better angels of my nature. Start to wake up to the best intentions of my heart. Start to wake up to what true love is. Start to wake up to ways I can serve. Start to wake up to my purpose in this life. When I come back after the bucket song, I want to talk some more about that awakening. I want to kind of put some flesh and bones on it so you can can see how it works. And it works really well. So, you know, when when we look at this, when we look at the art of letting go and we we learn to move away from kind of this manufactured self, um, this curated self, which I've talked about before, and and, and this idea, this is fo- what, what Merton would call the false self, the shadow self. We start to move away from it. Again, it's, it's a challenge. Expect a dark night of the soul, but then also expect things to start to open. I love the idea that in the art of letting go, that all great spirituality teaches the art of letting go of what you, please say the N word there, of letting go of what you don't need and who you are. All great spirituality does that. You could pick Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, all of them have pieces of that. So it's letting go of what I think I need for what I really need, letting go of who I think I am for who I really am. And once we can get to that place, we're, we're just in a different thing. I was reading this, this, this piece of Swedenborgian theology and and, you know, here's Manuel Swedenborg. For those of you who don't know, Manuel Swedenborg is to us what Martin Luther is for Lutherans. And Manuel Swedenborg said, you know, you reach a certain point 
where the action no longer is even in your brain. All that's in your brain is the love. We're not thinking through it anymore. We're just in a loving place. And all of us know somebody like that. And all of us know what they can do to a room. All of us know that when we talk to them, all of a sudden we are like the only person who exists in the world. Because their love is so clear. So beautifully clear. Now, it it begs the question, well then, you know, what do we need? And who actually are we? And, you know, those again, that's a series into itself. The point to always hold on to is the anchor point, to keep coming back to again and again and again. Like, what's what's the flag in the mountain? What's the point? What's the goal line? Well, the, the point is this. God's whole purpose of creation is a heaven from the human race. God's whole purpose of creation is a heaven from the human race. Not to try you, not to give you all kinds of things you have to work through, but it's a heaven from a human race. And, and you know, when, when you stick with that, I think so much of the other stuff kind of takes care of itself and answers itself, because that's part of the big picture. Now, I, I'm also fans, I'm fans of Thomas Merton. I'm also a big fan of another wonderful Christian, Father Richard Rohr. And uh, Father Richard Rohr, if you, if you look at him, we look a lot, a lot alike, which is kind of funny. And uh, fascinating, fascinating human being. And, and what Richard Rohr had to offer was he, he was asked, well, what do you really know? Like, what do you actually really know? And this is what he said he actually knows. If you ask me what it is I know, I would be hard-pressed to tell you. All I know is that there is a deep okayness. Can we all say okayness together? Okayness. There's a deep okayness to life. Despite all the contradictions, despite all the wavering paths, sometimes two people are in the new church band, fall in love and get married. Like, who knows what happens? which has become even more evident in the silence. Even when much is terrible, seemingly contradictory, unjust, inconsistent, somehow sadness and joy are able to coexist at the same time. The negative value of things no longer cancels out the positive, nor does the positive deny the negative. Again, that piece, and it's a beautiful Christian piece of like, life is mixed, life is mixed. Whatever your personal calling or delivery system for the world, it must proceed from a foundational, can we say yes here? Must proceed from a foundational yes. A foundational yes to life. Yes is a word. In that word of yes, lies skillfully curled all worlds. Your necessary no to injustice and all forms of unlove will actually become even clearer and more urgent in the silence. But now your work has a chance of being God's pure healing instead of impure anger and agenda. You can feel the difference in people who are working for causes. So many works of social justice have been undone by people who do all the fighting from their small or angry selves. So, so much of this, folks, I think is, is again, like, look, when you look at Christ's words, it's not worrying. And I would add these words as well. I think they can help flesh that out. Let go of anger and agenda. Let go of anger and agenda. 
you figure it out, let me know, because I can't do it very well. Because <laughs> it's really hard. I get angry and then I have an agenda. And my agenda is to tell the other person where I'm in the right and they're in the wrong. Could I get an amen from all fellow people? Amen. Like that's just what we do. Many of you in this room, probably all of you are harboring an agenda. Someone who you're, you're just waiting to tell them how it is. Is that the art of letting go? Yes or no? No, it's not the art of letting go. It's the opposite of the art of letting go. It's the opposite of holding on. And as Anne Lamott said, like nothing in my life I let go of did I let go of without scratch marks on it. I really do. Yeah, it is a good line, isn't it? Like, it's true. It, they're going to they're, they're gonna have scratch marks. That's part of dark night of the soul. That's part of moving from over there to over here. It's the part of having those moments of just feeling naked. You know, like, I don't have those things. And I need something else. And when you let go of anger and agenda, some beautiful things can start to happen. And, and now what's, what's interesting, as Roar puts out, and I really have found this to be true, when you let go of anger and agenda... You're not letting go of passion. It's not a sort of everything is okay. Actually, some very passionate people have let go of anger and agenda, which is interesting. Now, I realize that for some of us, that may feel like, wait, how the heck would that work? Well, I want to show you an example. You know, I think a lot of us were just distraught over the events in Charlottesville, Virginia, of a few weeks ago. And as you know, Heather Hare, Hare I'm pronouncing her last name, Hire. Uh, you know, she, she died. She was struck by a driver. She passed away. And I want you to listen to the words of her father in a video here. And you see what Richard Ward said. You're going to see a letting go on his part of anger and agenda. And at the same time, embracing her passion in a very clear way. It sounds paradoxical, but in this amazing way that Christ somehow can get us to do, it isn't. It's no longer paradoxical. What it is, is powerful. Take a look at what her dad had to say. A strong woman that had passionate opinions about the equality of everyone. And she tried to stand up for that. And with her, it wasn't lip service, it was real. You know, it was something that she wanted to share with everyone, you know, and my thoughts about all of this stuff is that people need to stop hating and they need to forgive each other, you know, and I include myself in that in forgiving the guy that did this, okay, he don't know no better. You know, I just think of the, what the Lord said on the cross. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know? My daughter's life. She's... I'm proud of her. Proud of her for standing up. She had more courage than I did. She had a stubborn backbone that if she thought she was right, she would stand there and defy you.
That gets me a little conflumped every time I see it. It's, it's, it's beautiful, right? This letting go of anger and agenda. Letting go of all the, all the hatred, no doubt, this dad felt. Justifiable resentment. The hardest resentment to let go of is justifiable resentment. And here, clearly following a model that Christ lays out, finding forgiveness and passion at the same time. The ultimate and turn the other cheek, which is a line, if you're unaware of a line from the Bible where Christ says somebody strikes you, turn the other cheek. We think of that as running away. It's not running away. It's making a stand. It's making a stand from love from the better angels of our nature. So as we learn this art of letting go, as we pull it together, we need to let go. Could we say those three words? We need to let go of anger and agenda, please, (laughs) of false images of who you are, of merit badges, and settle humbly with peace into that safe space from where we join to do the important work. Like I I think about this, folks, with New Church Live, because we, we have a wonderful opportunity here. A congregation of people who've let go of anger and agenda and have embraced passion, which this congregation has, and have embraced passion, joining at that level is incredibly powerful. And I look at the events in Charlottesville, et cetera, I think, yeah, churches have to speak. They have to be a voice. They have to be a voice for a reimagined future. And it can't just be a voice that comes from a pastor because my voice isn't that good. It has to be a voice that comes from the lived moral experience of a congregation like New Church Life and like many others. And like synagogues, temples, we throw it all together. It can truly become that thing. That's a powerful place to be. I think so much of it as, as we, we hold this art of letting go, as we let go of anger and agenda, as we let go of all this stuff on the table, we let it go, we open our hands to receive. You can do that, by the way. It's dark. Nobody will see you do it. You can let go, then you can turn your hand to receive. Listen to this, me reread the passage we started out with, with that in mind as we move towards communion. That here Christ is saying, don't worry about what you're holding on to. Let go. Let go. So that you have something you can receive. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both, God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more than they? 
And that's that awakening. That's that movement into who we actually are. And it actually is sort of a naked self. Outside of all the badges, outside of everything else, just who we are made in God's image and likeness. The art of letting go. The way I want to close this two-part series, it's both to close this series and to launch us into the fall, is I wanted to do a communion service. Now, again, I know it's summertime, end of summertime, not a lot of people here, and that's fine. But I would ask you to think about taking part. And if you're watching from online, you're welcome to take part at home. With communion, it's this ancient, ancient, beautiful Christian tradition. Now, the word communion sounds like the word community. Community. Can we all say community together? Community. Community. It's something we do together. It's also called the Eucharist. And the Eucharist means to give thanks. And when you take part in it, you are called a celebrant, which means your job is to celebrate. This is something we celebrate. So if you're coming up here thinking it's a funeral dirge, you're wrong. It's something we come up to, and it's like, Eucharisto, to give thanks. Communion, community, a celebrant, here to celebrate. Celebrate a beautiful summer that was, and celebrate a launch into a great fall that's right at the doorstep. And think about what that can mean in your heart. Like, what does that mean to put in God's love? What does that mean to put in God's wisdom? Because ready for this, you are what you eat. So take in that love, take in that wisdom, and celebrate it. Now, the way we're going to do the service here is uh, we're going to do it something called Iona Communion. Now, Iona Communion, uh, it's a fancy word. That means that you're welcome, if you'd like, to offer bread and wine to someone else. So if you're here with one or two other people, you come forward, you offer them, they get to choose bread or wine, you offer it to them, and I have little, let me step down here for a second. I am so happy every time I don't trip at New Church Live. You have little cheat sheets here, and when you offer them the bread, you just tell them, this is the bread of life. And when you offer them wine or juice, you just say, this is the new covenant. And just let them take it and just give a second. Give a second. Just let them sit there and relish it, maybe say a little silent prayer together. Then what we're going to do is if you would like to say a prayer with someone, you have something here that you'd like to pray for coming up or a challenge that you're facing, we do this very frequently at New Church Live. And again, first-time attendees are more than welcome to do it. Rob and Mary will be a prayer team down here. So after you take the communion, you can go over with Rob and Mary, you can huddle up with them, they'll ask you what you would like to pray for, and then you'll lead you with prayer. If you're thinking, yeah, it's kind of really private, and I want to just do a prayer with the pastor, I'll be over here, and you can say a prayer with me, all right? So music will be played underneath. If you feel called to take communion, join with community, you're more than welcome to. We have an open table. You don't need to be baptized. You don't need to be Christian, frankly. You can come down here and take it and just see what it does for you. Ancient. This goes back well over 2,000 years. And then third, feel free, if you'd like, to say a prayer with either me or with Rob and Mary. All right? So the music's going to start. 
you're more than welcome to come down and just think, all right, what do I need to let go of? Let go of in order to receive. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 